You're listening to the B2B Content Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Thudian. On this show, we cover everything B2B content marketing. Tune into short and digestible podcast episodes on topics like B2B content strategy, content case studies, content tips, and more. On this podcast, you will sit down with a marketing colleague. We'll share loads of valuable and actual content marketing tips. So if you're a B2B marketing manager, content marketer, content writer, or someone that just loves content, this podcast will help you with the insight you need to make your content thrive. Welcome back to another episode of the B2B Content Corner podcast. I'm your host, Megan Thudium, and today on the podcast, I have a very special guest with me, Melina Costa, and I am ecstatic and super excited that she's here because I've been following her on LinkedIn for several, several months now, and I really love the work that she is doing with Green Business. So a little bit about Melina. So she is a business journalist, and she loves searching for stories on startups in all sectors, but also more specifically in green business that are paving the way towards a low-carbon economy. So she's focused on this really interesting niche, and she is a very experienced business journalist. She comes, she's comes; she been a business journalist for t- over 10 years, starting in Brazil, working with some large and very prestigious newsrooms in the country. She is also developing her own podcast and working specifically with people in the green business industry. So she has a lot of interest and background in this niche, and we're very excited to have her today. So welcome to the podcast, Lena. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Megan. It's a pleasure. Wonderful. So we're going to dive deep into the idea of climate change communication today. And we're also going to talk a little bit about LinkedIn, because LinkedIn, in my opinion, as an agency, from what we do at MTC, is a very strong and great channel for the green business space. So we're going to dive into these two pieces about climate communication and also LinkedIn marketing for green businesses. And Melina is going to give us some great tips from her, from her experience. To get us started, let's talk a little bit more about your podcast, because I think your podcast is really interesting and is great. I enjoy listening to it and also seeing what you're publishing on LinkedIn regarding like who you're bringing onto the podcast is these really cool, innovative SEO and founders, especially here in Berlin. So can you introduce your podcast to us really quick? Green Means Business. Sure. So Green Means Business is a new podcast I started a few months ago, um, and we focus on companies that are paving the way towards a low-carbon economy. So I'm interested in those companies that are already born with the goal of making business better. I, when I started, I thought I was going to talk with uh, some major corporations, but in the end, as I started researching, I realized that actually my group of interest are actually startups that um, have been created in order to address um the, the transition uh, towards uh, a new economy. So basically, uh, the guests I have are CEOs and founders uh, of startups that do everything from, you know, a new app to uh, um, connect neighbors and avoid food waste. Uh, that's Olio, for example, to, um, you know, uh, an entrepreneur that is helping uh, farmers um create, uh, you know, techniques for uh, regenerative agriculture or, for example, a startup that measures um, the um, uh, climate impact of food, of food products, and they stamp that uh, in the 
in the packaging uh, of food products so that all consumers have access to it. So these are just a few examples. But in general, I would say it's uh, founders of startups that they are, that are born with the mission uh, of doing businesses um, of doing business in a different way. No, those are some really cool businesses. They are obviously making a huge impact on the industry. So it's exciting that you're going to be, that you already are bringing their projects and their passions into the podcast and you know, vocalizing it a little bit more. And where did this passion come from? Why, why are you excited about developing this podcast? What, why is it such a passion project for you? As you mentioned in the introduction, Megan, I... I was a journalist for more than 10 years uh, in Brazil, the country where I'm from. Um, and, you know, it's been a while. <laughs> uh, I started in probably early 2000s. Um, and back then I worked for traditional media, right? So I worked for the largest newspaper in the country, uh, for the most traditional economy magazine. I worked for TV, radio. Um, I've been yeah, everywhere. Uh, but mostly I focused in the end uh, in business journalism and I was happy to cover um, a very interesting point in time in the Brazilian economy around 2010 when Brazil was officially considered part of the BRICS. Remember the BRICS when, <laughs> when emerging economies were extremely relevant and uh, I just, yeah, I was able to really witness and cover um the expansion of Brazilian economy and and this interest um, and this and, and and the whole development of businesses there, but then um, for personal reasons uh, after that I, I came to Europe to to study um, decided to move uh, to Europe also personal reasons I, I met my husband <laughs> and we decided to to establish ourselves here uh, and back then already the situation started to very quickly transform uh, we had a specific crisis in Brazil an economic crisis a recession that started back then uh, and also the whole media landscape changed pretty quickly I think you know may maybe people that didn't that are not from the industry maybe they don't realize how quickly it was for at, at least how it felt for people that are on the inside I mean until a decade ago we were still talking about, you know, creating new magazine titles and really like paper magazines. <laughs> and, you know, we were dealing with logistic issues. How do we transport newspapers to, you know, to more cities and that kind of thing. And, and it was, you know, looking at the numbers from the inside, you know, looking at the numbers, we were still growing. So it definitely felt um, like a, an like an abrupt shift when suddenly the whole advertising model changed and then you had you know Facebook and Google basically yeah attracting all internet all advertising for themselves um, and that's not being a reliable uh, source of revenues for for traditional media that that felt very quickly I know that you know if you if you look at the industry you know the signs have been there for a very very long time but in the industry yeah, it felt like it was really abrupt. Uh, and that was uh, the time that I decided to leave um, the industry, focus on something else. And now I have been feeling the need to come back. And it has a lot to do with the way that the topic uh, that, that, I, that I want to focus on, meaning the transition to a low carbon economy, the way the topic has been covered. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that a bit, a bit more. But I mean, this is just the topic, right? I mean, we do have to solve this huge problem as humanity. That's probably the biggest challenge we've faced, at least in the last centuries. So it's just 
a topic that imposes itself and I feel almost obliged to somehow engage with it and, and contribute. So that's the reason why. And I think we have all after, you know, the whole Corona scare and the whole crisis that, that we're still dealing with, I think, yeah, I mean, just naturally we think about, you know, these existential issues. <laughs> I mean, at least that was that was a trigger for me to, to think about climate change uh, in a different way and to make the whole topic much more urgent. Yes, yes, that's that's a fantastic lead into our next topic to talk about. I, I really like where your focus is coming from and this feeling, this journey that you've come over within the last 10 or 15 years to this point of where you really want to focus on the impact and get the word out more about climate change and the urgency about that. And I, I agree with you that I have also felt it in the last couple of years since uh, the pandemic, just there's a lot of urgency feeling. And especially when a lot of news and everything is so focused on the pandemic and we need to be focusing on climate change even more severely because it will have a much larger impact on us socially, economically, et cetera, over the next next several, several, several years. So let's transition into that talking about climate crisis communication, because communicating about the climate crisis, about climate change is very, very different than, for example, communicating about the pandemic. It's a much longer stride. It's a long-term strategy. It's, you know, putting in all those pieces in with a much broader focus. And in my opinion, a lot of times climate change gets communicated very negatively, which is also why I'm excited about your podcast, because I think interviewing, for example, companies and different solutions is a fantastic way to kind of you know, put the touch on, okay, we're, we're actively solving this and we're solving different pieces, and it's a much more larger and complex topic than just one, two, three. And so let's talk a little bit about that. I want to hear your insight um, and the struggles that you have heard from talking with these companies in the green business, low carbon sector on how, what are the difficulties are they having about communicating their purpose and how they are fighting climate change and how their technology fits into that? Sure. So let me maybe take a, a step backwards um, and, and tell you how I see the coverage of the topic climate in general uh, being done um, in the last uh, couple of years. So what I see now are two things. So either on the one hand, you have catastrophism, and I do understand where it comes from. Uh, it is a huge challenge. Um, so, and, and, not enough has been done or is being done uh, to address uh, the issue. So I do understand where it comes from. But at the same time, what I think happens when people are bombarded with information like, you know, we're not doing enough and there's actually nothing we can do. The problem is too big and we should all feel really guilty because look at what we've done in the last few centuries. I don't think that's uh, productive uh, because what tends to happen you know, to to people listening or, or consuming that information is okay. Then I just unplug. People already have enough trouble with their with their day to day lives, and if there's nothing you can do anyway, if the problem is so so huge that you as an individual can do nothing to help, then you just unplug. Uh, that's just a natural consequence of it. And on the other hand, what I also see with the whole ESG uh, topic um, getting much more attention, which is a very much, you know, it's, it's, it's a financial industry story, right, ESG, but it, it just became so present 
and I, I really see companies trying to take advantage of that. Okay, so there is an interest there in the in the financial sector to start, um, you know, directing finance or directing money towards um, uh, more sustainable projects, um, and then. Everybody seems to be talking about it and companies just try to find a way to uh, to fit in. But then what I also see is on, you know, journalists not really experienced in the topic or not, you know, they don't have access to the tools that they would have to cover these topics or these companies critically. Uh, so in the end, you know, I remember when I was a business journalist, you know, you would have people really experienced in one sector, one industry or one company and people that, you know, could critically assess uh, if what a company is trying to transmit in a press release or in an, an interview, if that's credible or not. Um, just because you had that experience and you also had a whole industry that would support you. I'll just give you one example. If I was covering a publicly traded company, I would talk to many analysts, right? So you have all these analysts and banks and their job is to you know, critically assess the financial data from these corporations and say, okay, do I buy this story or not? Uh, and this would be, for example, sources, but also you would talk to competitors, you would talk to experts. So we were all trained in this industry, business journalists, to be able to uh, really interpret and translate what these companies are saying uh, to our audience. And I don't think this is happening, to be super honest, with the whole ESG uh, thing. I think not only journalists are not used to covering that so this is new and i also feel that these other sources that can help journalists um they're harder to identify so we i mean if a company comes and says okay look we have amazing news to share this year we're using 30 percent less water than the year before what does that mean is that really good uh, and and besides the usage of water what about all the other resources or what about the business model behind this company so i i I, I really don't see, I see, to be honest, a lot of greenwashing uh, and I see companies using this, you know, I see publications coming up with the goal of, you know, broadcasting ESG news being supported financially by companies themselves that want to have that image of, you know, greener companies, when in the end they're totally embedded in the way we do Think business nowadays, which of course is full of flaws and based on fossil fuels. So to be honest, I, I, I find a few examples here and there, but I do see a lot of maybe inexperience uh, and some greenwashing. So having said that, um, I was wondering, okay, how can you create constructive climate journalism? That's, that, that's the question that interests me. I'm, I'm not totally sure that I got there, that I have the answer yet, but that's at least the, the, the question I'm trying to address and maybe contribute with other people and trying to answer that. So how can we not only focus on the challenge? And that's what journalists are trained to do, to be honest. We tend to, you know, a good story is one that exposes a problem, exposes an issue. But can we go beyond that? Because only exposing the issue, I don't think is very helpful in the current environment. You know, you you see even, you know, polls with, with you know, with people, with readers, and you see just recently Reuters uh, had a, you know, a poll saying that more than 30% of readers actively avoid the news because it depresses them. So that's what you don't want with climate, right? Because it is a systemic problem. We all need to be engaged. Otherwise, there's no way we're going to find a solution. So my question is, can we go beyond exposing the problem? Can we go into what we 
you know, constructive journalism and assessing solutions and trying to expose progress and expose challenges as well, but already with, you know, suggestions and directions or at least examples or role models that people can start following because that is also true. So the challenge is huge and it is real, but progress is also true. And I don't see that um, that often. I really like your point there at the end, uh, communicating on the progress, the story, the the good outcomes that are, that are happening, then using them as models for the bigger picture. Um, and how is this working? For example, I know you're talking with a lot of smaller climate-related um, companies, especially here in the Berlin area. How are they doing it right? What are some things that you like that they're doing currently? So that's a very good point. I mean, as, as I mentioned, when I started the podcast, I thought, okay, there are all these corporations that are really worried about climate change, so let me talk to them. But then actually what I started realizing once I started researching is there is a whole world, this whole world of climate tech, as we call it, this bubble, where there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of action there. You know, there are a lot of entrepreneurs coming up with really interesting innovation. I'm not saying that, you know, climate change is going to be solved by technology necessarily. I think it might help. But I just missed hearing from these stories as well. So this part of the story as well, it is also very exciting. Look, we're facing this challenge where we suddenly need to transform the way we produce transport and consume everything. So our whole economy in the last few centuries have has been based in fossil fuels. So of course, it's going to take a while. It is a, a difficult transition now. But what an exciting story, right? This is the chance we have to build a better economy, possibly, if we do this right. So I'm just interested in covering that. And I'm, I'm interested in finding out who are the people, who are the pioneers? You know, every new movement starts with pioneers, with innovators, people that believe in change and 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 do something and, and, and make a contribution. I just find it exciting to identify, okay, who are these people? What are they trying to do? How do they think about things? Why do they think it's worth taking this risk? What are the challenges they're facing? How do they react to those? So just telling these stories, I just find fascinating. Yeah, I 100% agree. This is also why myself and also my agency enjoys working with clients who are in the sector that they're very passionate and they're very specifically focused on specific needs and challenges of very specific pieces of the greater climate um, struggle, like the whole, the more general aspect of it. And I find that interesting is they've decided to focus on one or two things that's really strong for them and they're really making an impact in this area. Um, so I've enjoyed that too. And let's say as a journalist, you're looking, you gave us a couple of contexts on how, what kind of questions, but how do you find these companies to review them and invite them onto the interview? And what do you, what do you, how do you search for their interesting stories and how do you bring that together? So that's a very good question, Megan, because, you know, as journalists, you know, I've, I've met so many people, you know, people that are not journalists, their first question to journalists is, how do you get your stories, <laughs> right? And, and and then you start explaining that, you know, there is a whole industry there, you know, of, you know, people that came before you, that, you know, other journalists and editors that introduce you to people. And then you start understanding what news is and what news means to that particular publication where you work. Uh, and, of course, there is all the PR industry um, that you know, works together uh, with journalists uh, when it works well, this uh, this relationship. So in my case, and of course, you follow other journalists, right? I mean, we are a main source for of inspiration to each other. We have, you know, 
people that work in big, big publications, they read smaller publications also looking for news stories. So in my case in specific, and I think this might be helpful for people listening to this podcast, you know, if they are also a niche podcast or a niche publication, it's, it's harder for you to find those stories, right? Because they are not being covered uh, by any media or traditional media outlet. So where do you find them? And you know what's really surprising to me? Because I thought this was going to start with like my personal connections, because I also work in this innovation field. And I thought, okay, people know each other in the tech scene and the startup scene. But then I just realized that social media can be a really relevant tool. And, you know, I don't, I, I, I haven't been a big fan of Twitter, as many journalists uh, classically are. Um, but what I use a lot is LinkedIn. And I was very surprised to find that it's a huge source of interview partners for me. Because once I started connecting with people in the scene, in the climate tech scene, investors, entrepreneurs, I just realized they're all connected. And I don't know how it works in other markets, but here in Europe, every CEO of a startup is on LinkedIn. And he or she um, tends to post once in a while because, of course, they also need the attention of their of their ecosystem. So I just realized that without a lot of effort, um, I just find out about um, about very interesting interview, interview partners. Of course, I mean, the whole story is not immediately there. I just follow them. I see something interesting. Of course, I dig deeper. I research about them and I talk to other people I know. Do you know them? And, and of course, uh, then I schedule a conversation and try to find out more. But I am pretty surprised how effective it has been um, for me, not, not only to find listeners, uh, but to find interview partners through LinkedIn. Well, you transitioned us really well into our last topic for the podcast. We're going to talk about LinkedIn and how it's a great vessel for social media and making these connections. And I agree with you 100% because I find the, this sector that we're talking about specific on LinkedIn, they're very niche and they're very communicative and they're very supportive of each other on the LinkedIn platform. And I'm also integrated into it like you are. And it's a great way for content marketing specifically, not necessarily just journalism and what you're doing to find relevant and interesting topics and stories to write about and to make the connections, for example, to from a PR communication perspective to sit on each other's podcasts or get into news industry news publications, which is very important for our niche-related um, companies. So let's talk a little bit about LinkedIn, a little bit more specifically about what you've been doing on the platform, because you're a strong communicator on the LinkedIn platform, which is how we originally got connected. I really liked what you were writing and sharing. And you have over 3,000 followers at this point, which I think is a really healthy and strong audience growth on LinkedIn. And you are connected with several clean tech leaders in the space locally of Berlin and then greater Europe. Of course. I think what you're doing there is great. I think it, we already established that it's an important channel, not only for your profession and what you're doing in the media space, but also for B2B marketing and niche marketing in the climate space. But is there any other advantages that you can think, if we think of more of a general perspective, not just for you personally, but for founders and investors engaging and interacting on the platform? What do you think the benefit is to them? So let me talk from the perspective of a content creator that uses this platform to be informed of what is new, right, in the climate tech scene. And I definitely do use that that way. And I think other content creators use it as well. So maybe what could be interesting for them? So one thing, 
what I see a lot is uh, people having a bit of, you know, trouble finding out how to use the platform, like how kind, what kind of content should they produce. So for from a lot of people, I see things like, oh, I went to this conference, here's a picture of mine, uh, and I've met my buddy there, or something like that. Or I see a lot of people posting, you know, articles they found online and commenting and Okay, that's that's a way to engage with your community there. But that but for me as a content creator, that doesn't help a lot. What I'm interested in is who are you? What are you doing? What is your company? What is your value proposition? What are you struggling with right now? What are your wins? Uh, how do you help create a low carbon economy or facilitate that? So these are the questions that I'm trying to answer. And I think it's not obvious for startup founders or even communication people um, in or social media people in these companies that that's uh, what they should be putting out there. Um, so I'll just give you an example. I'm much more interested in hearing about, you know, maybe a little diary. Let's put it that way, like a little diary of what is going on in that company, but not, okay, we went to this event and we read this article because that's not particularly interesting for me, but what is it that you're offering? To whom have you managed to get a first big deal with a, with a client? Uh, what does that mean? What kind of impact did you have in your value chain? So, so that's the kind of, I, I would go for that kind of information. And of course, the struggle of creating a startup, that alone is already, it is always an interesting story. I'm having a hard time remembering now. There was this podcast from the, the founders of Gimlet. Gimlet um, was a podcast producer that was later sold to, to Spotify. And the founder, the way he started this producer was himself podcasting about the struggle of founding a podcast producer. <laughs> so he was meeting with VCs and all of that. I think it's called Startup or, or something like that. Um, and, and just the struggle of, you know, the the life of a startup founder was already very interesting. And I think this is an opportunity that maybe that many founders are missing, just telling their day-to-day, -day, telling about their day-to-day. -day. No, I think this is a great point. So storytelling, their struggles, um, how they're building their business, why they're building the business, what's the passion, kind of the who, the why, the the purpose, what it is you're doing, and even the ups and downs. I think a lot of people on LinkedIn, for example, like to sh share their wins, but but the process of, okay, how do we find out that this specific piece of the technology wasn't going to work for the specific audience that we were targeting it? These type of stories, I think, are very interesting. And then, so I 100% agree with you, and I think this is really where uh, founders specifically can shine on the platform and then this is how it connects to you is if you see that content on LinkedIn this is a good opportunity for you to tap in and ask them onto your from a PR media perspective onto your podcast um, but do you th have any other tips for them on how they can maybe tell their story a little bit better on LinkedIn and then how that connects to the greater purpose of positioning themselves in the media space getting their story out yeah, I think a few things. So first of all, think of the hero's journey, right? We all love and we're moved as humans. We're somehow wired uh, to pay attention to hero journeys. And, um, you know, the story of a startup founder is no different <laughs> than a hero's journey. So I would focus on, on that and not being shy, uh, you know, in sharing struggles, just like you mentioned. That's the first thing. The second thing, I would also not be shy and, you know, I would, I would reach out 
to journalists and content creators. You know, LinkedIn can be used both ways. So I see them, I see founders there and founders see um, and communication people, they see um, new content creators popping up also in the platform. Uh, so I, I'm always very happy when they reach out to me. But what I think is interesting to think of is how you do this. So how do you approach journalists? And I think my suggestion would be try to find out what the journalist is trying to achieve, what he or she is trying to do, and then maybe how you could help them. Uh, and if your company, if you if yeah, if your case could fit uh, what the journalist is looking for, and not just trying to push it and sell it, uh, because in the end you are building a relationship. It could be a long term relationship. I remember I, I was for more than ten years in newsrooms, and I was you know throughout that time talking to the same PR people, those that that I managed to to establish a relationship with, and it has to be profitable for both, right? So I would, I would focus on on that. So reaching out directly and not being shy in exposing um, uh, challenges and struggles and asking for help. In general, I think this is a, a great practice for LinkedIn, not just from a media PR perspective, but reaching out to people with the helping perspective is like, how can I help you? What are the things that you're working on that maybe I can be supportive on and come approaching you from this, this angle instead of the direct pitch? And I don't know how many pitches you've received on LinkedIn, but I, <laughs> every day I receive more. And in my opinion, it's just not the way to go on LinkedIn. It's not working. It doesn't work from a general sales perspective on the platform and it Sounds like it doesn't work from a PR perspective either. I agree. And I, I receive several of those as well. And you know what I also receive is just, hi, hello, I'm, you know, like, I'm, I'm a PR uh, professional and I'm working with this company. May I just understand a bit more what, of what you're doing? I do work with a, with a company here that might be a good fit, uh, but let me tell you more about it and let me learn more about what you're doing. This is the, a, a really great approach and I am... I'm, Personally, I'm always open for that. And maybe just one more tip is um, to also engage with these content creators, even if they're small. Because look, you know, these uh, podcasts um, that are being created right now, you know, now that the scene starts to become a bit more competitive, they're going to have in the beginning, if you start a podcast and you have the first episode out, if you're lucky, you get a couple of thousand downloads, but it's going to grow from there, Right. But you have to think a bit bigger than that. I mean, if you are, you know, a startup founder or if you are a communications person um, or a PR person, you're not only getting that thousand downloads. Uh, first of all, you are trusting that this podcast is going to grow and your episode is going to be there in that podcast, in that feed for a long time. So it's content that doesn't go doesn't get old compared to articles online, for example, that you just can't find them anywhere after a while, only if you Google for them specifically. So, I mean, it's much easier to find older content on podcasting. That That's the first thing. And the second thing is um, smaller podcasts or smaller publications in general, they are sources for other journalists. There's a whole chain, a whole value chain in content creation uh, that is behind, uh, you know, these smaller uh, content producers. So, you know, the work that I'm doing, trying to find new stories, that's the same work that journalists in big publications are doing. Um, and they are listening and they are reading and we have a network and we all know each other. Uh, so I, I would highly recommend people to be open 
Uh, it's a low investment. You know, in many cases, it's an hour, an hour and a half of your time and you never know where you could get. And, you know, I've had the experience. I've had another podcast before this one. It was B2B. Um, and what happened after the five first episodes is that, you know, the interview partners that I had, they wanted to connect with each other. So I created in the end, without knowing a network of people that really had things in common and could really support each other uh, through the podcast. So, so you know, and, and not, not to mention that, you know, just having an interview out there with an external source, you know, it's very different from content that you try to push internally, that you're communications department or your PR produces. It looks very different for listeners, for, for readers. That's very obvious. Just having that piece of content out there, explaining who you are, especially if you are in the beginning, I think is also very interesting uh, for, for startup founders. That's material they can share with their network. This is a, a great point that you shared at the end about building the community on the LinkedIn platform and how you're connecting. And I've also personally have seen you do this through your podcast. I think this is wonderful and how you are bringing people together on your podcast, um, but also how you're continuing the conversation on the LinkedIn platform specifically and getting the founders and other people within the community to be speaking with each other. So this is really the power of the platform, which is wonderful to see. So to end our podcast episode today, let's just talk a little bit more about your Green Means Business podcast and just a little bit more about kind of what's what's the next month, couple months outlook for the podcast. Where are you taking it and where can they find it and connect with it? Sure. So Green Means Business can be found on all major podcast players. Um, mainly Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, I am experimenting a lot. So because of my background, I, I in parallel, I, I run an innovation agency and I'm very focused on creating user-centered products, right? That's what I advise my clients to do. And I'm trying to take my own medicine here, although it is always harder when, when it's your turn to develop something new. But I'm trying to use that approach. And what I have been doing is testing testing platforms, uh, testing the, the kind of content and uh, and what what the right distribution channels are, especially if you are, you know, a content creator like myself, um, starting with little resources. Uh, so I'm trying to see, you know, where can I, what can I really leverage here? So the last few months have, have been all about experimenting. So I have experimented, of course, with the, with the podcast format, which was my first idea. So my big question is, how do I create an audience for constructive climate journalism? That's my interest. How exactly it's going to look like in the end, I'm not sure. The podcast is one of my experiments getting there. It's the one that, that has been working best. Uh, but I am experimenting with several other platforms. So I have used basically all social media channels to understand how they work, uh, what is the reach. And, you know, I'm not a social media expert, uh, but I think it's pretty clear that, you know, there are some platforms that are on the rise and others are, are much harder to get, um, to get, to create an audience like, you know, Instagram. I think that's extremely hard to, to get our followers right now. And then on the other hand, you have things like TikTok, uh, which, you know, I think for a lot of people, uh, might still be, you know, that's the thing for teenagers where they dance in front of the camera, but actually it has been changing pretty quickly, not in all markets, because I have also been uh, doing experiments in different markets like Brazil and Europe and the US and to see where, where the opportunity lies, let's put it that way, uh, for, for my podcast. 
Um, and, and I see, for example, here in Europe, you have scientists and historians and linguists. And, you know, there's this physicist that works in a particles accelerator and he's on TikTok. You know, so you have that kind of people using that platform. And there I'm, I'm really interested right now, I have to say, uh, you know, with not having any followers. That was there, those were my first experiments. I managed to get uh, 20,000 views of a, of a video, for example. This is just something you don't get in, in other platforms. So it is pretty clear that with consistent work, you can create or build an audience much uh, quicker there. And it seems to be that this topic, climate change, is not yet a thing there. So that is one opportunity that I'm exploring. So I have a channel there, Greemings Business. Uh, but also, I very much also believe in the podcast because I think this is the right platform or the right format to introduce these pioneers, right? I think it's important to give them some time to explain what it is that they're doing, what the challenge is and how they're engaging with that. And I think that's kind of hard to reach with shorter formats. That's why I have this uh, 40 minutes, uh, at least 40 minutes long episodes, which I think is kind of like, uh, you know, the, the time most people need to move from A to B to commute. So so it might really fit. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of the user here, right? So in which circumstances will people be consuming that that product or engaging with that product that would be better than, cons than consuming? Uh, and then I'm... So far, that's my that's my conclusion that this would work, but I do have other things I want to try out, and of course, uh, with a website that I'm preparing now, and let's see how you know transcripts of these interviews work, and I'm working also in partnership with other larger media publications, the traditional ones, um, because they seem to be interested in using that content in their platform. Uh, so uh, let's see. I'm, I'm I'm I will continue experimenting. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like a, a really fun, innovative, and experimental journey that you're going on right now. So I wish you the best at that, Melina, as you build out the Green Means business and also what you want to focus on and your passion there. Um, I encourage our listeners of the B2B Content Corner podcast to go and subscribe to your podcast too and follow. I think you're doing great work there. And to wrap up the episode today, where can people on our podcast connect with you? Sure. So I'm Melina Costa. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm very happy to connect. Um, also, well, I have my email on, on the podcast description. I'm always really happy to get feedback. It's melina at greemingsbusiness.com. That's it. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoy the conversation with you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you.